This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted... Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Want to welcome everyone to this week's Cowboys edition of the Ballsy Podcast. I am David Moore. A coup has taken place. The two other people who are usually on this podcast, there's really no need to mention either one of them at this stage. Who I do want to introduce now is my very good morose friend someone i have come to admire and appreciate even more through the years this is a fusion edition as they say of ballsy and intentional grounding that you can hear on 1310 96.7 fm the ticket please welcome my co-host my dear friend robert wolanski because who better to have on a sports podcast than the city columnist of the Dallas Morning News? Robert. David. I don't the, like you the, being in charge, first the, of all. I, mean, I know exactly, I which is why I love this. It's very it's awkward very, because very I, uncomfortable when for we you. do intentional grounding, which is every Wednesday night from 7 to 8 during the football season, <laughs> I'd, like to, uh, you direct the I'd like to direct traffic. Yes. And now you don't. No, I'm just... I'm now a, now I'm you a, know how I feel. Do you have some empathy for how I feel sitting across from you now in the studio? <laughs> I feel bad for anybody else to sit across <laughs> from me for any reason whatsoever. But, but before we start this, and there's yes. so much to talk about. Oh, my God. Us, just so much. You know I have a lot of hot sports opinions. But last night, Dirk Nowitzki passed Wilt Chamberlain to be the sixth leading scorer in NBA history. What did you do last night, Robert? I recovered from not feeling very well, and I worked on my column that you are currently pulling me from. So, uh, between... so you couldn't complete your column last night, so now you're on deadline. That's right. But I did watch a little bit of Dirk's uh, record-smashing uh, uh, accomplishment. That was impressive. It's the look. I'll so he this. accomplishes, you watch. <clears throat> I'll say, isn't that the nature of all, <laughs> of everything you do, my friend? <laughs> So I do want to say this. So 21 years Please ago. Do. Yes. That's about when you and I met. Yeah, it is. Because I, I was at the Observer. I think it's interesting to kind of bring into this. Because 21 years ago, I was at the Observer writing about sports. You were. And you were covering the Mavericks at the time. In fact, uh, yeah, I guess you were. that was right. 21 years ago, you were covering the Mavericks. NBA Mavericks, yeah. yeah you were mm-hmm. there. It was you and Mitch. Yes, Mitch I was doing NBA and he was doing Mavericks. That's and right. Help. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's when I met you guys. Because I was I was sort of spending a lot of time writing about sports. That was when I did my balls column, mm-hmm. um, which I feel, by the way, the name of this podcast led to balls. Very uh, uncomfortably stolen from the name of my old. It's just a natural column. evolution, I think, is the way I prefer to look at it. But, but I go remember, ahead. Please. I remember, you know, I covered Dirk the first three years uh, mm-hmm. of his career, and thinking, of course, at the time that this is. And I was thinking about this a lot the last couple of days, how when he got here, what he was like. 
how he barely spoke the language. He didn't like doing a lot of interviews. I remember once getting invited to a, a video shoot, a promo that they were doing at somebody's house in North Dallas. It was Nash and Dirk. They were doing some kind of promo, and it was a very silly thing, but I spent the whole day writing about how, sort of how Dirk was reacting and responding to his new environment. It was in Preston Hollow, actually, now that I think about it. And I just remember thinking about the fact that this was a guy you didn't really think was going to be very much. You didn't think he was going to last very long. He certainly was a he was an awkward player. He was an awkward interview. He just felt very much like that proverbial fish out of water 21 years ago. And then when you think about what he's become, you know, to to, to see his name on that list <clears throat> between, I guess, what he's between Michael Jordan now and, and Will mm -hmm. Chamberlain. Yeah. I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, it's oh, yeah. it's unfathomable. And then you, you think he about— He was so tentative early, and uh, again, the, the cultural differences, and, you know, that was very early in the European wave. And oh, it was like almost at the beginning. Yeah, that was yeah. All Donnie Nelson. It was right after Sarunas Marcellonis, but but there hadn't been you know anyone that that had stayed, and, and most of the players who had come over at that point were older who had played, you know, basketball in Europe right. and were coming over, and they were twenty six, twenty seven, and then you had Orbitas Sabonis, and it was like, well, uh, did they come over too late to really see the best of what they were? He, he was the first, again, this is a high school guy coming over. And, you know, he played in that uh, tournament in, in San Antonio before the Final Four that year and just wowed people. And the, the, the other thing with Dirk was, one, he clearly wasn't ready just to play the first year. Um, but Paul Pierce was. That's and, right. And Paul Pierce was outstanding that first year, and he took a lot of heat for that Uh and the, well, the organization they, did. He did not. Right, because they but, could have had Paul Pierce, but they chose. Yeah, the, they didn't. They actually draft him in well, the trade. Yeah, they took. Yeah, Robert yeah. Tractor Trailer, and then right. and then made the trade. But but it was interesting because the basketball people I talked to back then were just, hey, this guy can be really special. Uh, his size, his ability to shoot. He doesn't have the confidence. He hadn't played over here. You know, he can get. He may get beat up a little bit early, but but the skill set. The ceiling is higher than it is with Pierce, so we understand what Dallas did. But a lot of people outside of basketball did not understand what Dallas did back then. And and now, uh, when you see and you look at these numbers and just the the remarkable staying power, and again, when you're that size with that sort of game and can still shoot, you're going to be able to elongate your career. But it's fascinating to think about the fact that during that period, the Mavericks were so so awful. Yes. And I, I was thinking about this and talking about this, uh, I think, with my son a couple of days ago. When you used to go to, at, during those post-game interviews, during that period, no one was ever bothering Dirk. You could go talk to Dirk for an hour at his locker, mm -hmm. and you could do that for a couple of years. Yeah. And, and it was just, a, and it was a painful sort of interview because he didn't speak English very well, and mm -hmm. he was sort of embarrassed about how he spoke English. His personality did not come out. Now you see his personality every single time you see him. No, you just felt and like he's more comfortable. You just but felt he, yeah. for him as a sort of shy, awkward yeah. guy who had been thrust into a very uncomfortable position in which sort of great expectations were thrust upon. He him looked at the same uncomfortable time. on the court. Um, he, he clearly didn't have the confidence early. Um, you know, he. I don't think he knew how good he could be. And and we're talking about his early development. Avery Johnson, for for everyone for all the criticisms of Avery Johnson during his time as coach here, he really instilled in Dirk uh, 
the player he could be, the player who could lead a team to a championship. Now, he didn't do it with Avery. It, it came later, right. but uh, he, he really gave him a different sense of obligation and let him know, no, you are this player. Everything's going to run through you. And I, I think that meant a lot to Dirk, it, 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 his maturation into the player he's become. I was trying to think, has any other player in the history of this city been so sort of anonymous and um, disappointing to become the sort of mythic character that Dirk has in this city's history. I don't think no. that there's anybody you can point to. I mean, we've been so fortunate to have witnessed this evolution in his mm-hmm. career. I mean, I was I guess I was listening to the this morning the the ticket boys were talking about the fact that there's no other player in the history of the city who's been as important to his team as Dirk. And I think that's probably a, a pretty good description. But certainly you wouldn't have known it at the beginning. And to, no. have, to have watched it over the last several years, over the last 21 years has been a, I mean, we've been incredibly fortunate to have, to have been part of this. And yet I always sort of have wondered what sort of impact he's had. Certainly in European basketball, he's mm-hmm. a beloved figure. Certainly in Germany, he's a, he's a, he's a hero. He's a god. Yeah. And he's beloved here, and I don't think – that's a different category. I don't think a lot of athletes are beloved. I believe Dirk is. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing that's sort of amazing about him because he is such an affable guy. I saw him at, a, at an event a couple of weeks ago, and as soon as he walks in, just everybody turns to him. And for the entirety of that time that he's in a room, people watch him. And usually, as they turn, they have a smile on their face. Right, they want to be around yeah. him. They, you know, it's not like, oh, look, it's. it's he doesn't even say anything. You see him, you smile. That he just it exudes that sort of of personality and inclusiveness. I mean, I'm very brokenhearted by the fact that I will probably not get to go to a game this year. It's the first year in 21 years I haven't been to a game. The first season, mm-hmm. I won't be able to have seen him. What's likely his last season, and uh, because having seen almost every home game of his first couple of years mm-hmm. and to have witnessed, you know, certainly that 2011 uh, run was extraordinary, but, but I will miss not seeing him play ball. Uh, it will be very surreal and heartbreaking to know that after 21 years, he will no longer be a Dallas Maverick. It is interesting also to think that, uh, especially the rapport him and Nash developed, if, if Steve Nash would have stayed here, would he have developed the same way? Would uh, how the course of this franchise may have altered? I will say this: it may have been for the worse. Those guys seem to enjoy themselves an awful lot off could the court. Be. Maybe kinda, they didn't. Yeah, I, I always sort of wondered having them separate may have been probably the best. Best thing for, for both, both of, them. of them. I mean, Nash was an MVP twice. Dirk was once. Um, yeah, it, it, there's something to be said about being too comfortable yeah. with someone, and you enjoy someone so much. You really don't bring out that competitive edge. Yeah, I mean, a- everyone ha- everyone's competitive. Look, they're, they're all competitive. But there is something you have to go above and beyond to be a champion and have an edge. And you have to, um, you know, if your best friend is there that you hang out with all the time and he does something that in that moment isn't conducive to what you need. Do you say anything, or you just go, uh, "We're good friends." That's just a, <laughs> that's just an aberration. That's just a slip in the moment. You know, there's a lot of photographic evidence of the very very yes, good time is. those guys had <laughs> early in their careers, and it's probably for the best that we don't remember it as much as we remember the uh, "We Are the Champions" being serenaded from the American Airlines Center balcony. 
Well, if you can't tell, this is our Cowboys podcast. I was just about to say. <laughs> On Ballsy. I'm certainly enjoying this episode of Intentional <laughs> So now let's shift to the Dallas Cowboys, someplace that Dirk has not played, but does follow the games. And uh, All right, can I ask you a question? Oh, pl- please do, Robert. It's your show. I don't no, wanna, no, it's I don't not wanna, really my show. I don't want to hijack it. The, they're, they're, the two, founding, two founding members of the show are not here, and we don't really need to discuss either one of them, and I think the show is better for it. I so have please always been go told ahead. that this is your podcast. That is <laughs> no, what, that is what you have told always that. told me. In fact, when we do intentional grounding, you always talk about how disappointed you are by the fact that this is not your podcast. <laughs> Even though we're on the radio, on the most popular and beloved sports station in the history of American radio. Of the world, probably. So um, at this same event, oddly enough, where I saw Dirk a couple of weeks ago. Yes, you did not see me. I did not see you, but I did see Jason Witten. And it happened to be the very day that he announced he'd come out of retirement. Yes. So it was Witten and Dirk talking to each other. In fact, mm-hmm. I have a couple of pictures of it because I thought it was just a very funny image to see. Um, you and I haven't talked about that, and I know it's certainly probably been discussed to death on, on Ballsy. No, it hasn't. But I am curious what you thought when you heard the news and how early you knew that this was going to happen. And if you went, you've got to be kidding me. I was... As surprised that he decided to come back as I was on how he left. Yeah. Uh, they were both equally surprising to me. See, um, I was not surprised when he left. I mean, I, it, was, it was a bummer, but I wasn't surprised. Well, I, I understood it. Uh, yeah. but, but, but the interesting thing about it was, and I think part of the reason he was back, was he left, uh, Jason Witten left the Cowboys when he did because he was presented with an opportunity he never thought he would have. And so... This is nobody thought he, yeah, would ever and, have, and this was not ever well, have. and that's what the the fallout came to be afterwards. But but this was not an an aspirational goal. This was not hey, when my career is over, I want to go into the booth. Um, I think that's something he thought about because you thought about what you're going to do, and that's a natural that you kind of stumble across. But but there was nothing in Jason Witten's DNA to say I've got to get into the booth. I know I'll be great at that. But now suddenly you're presented with a chance to be in the Monday night booth. You don't sure. have to pay your dues. It was a it made perfect sense to do it because you were presented with an opportunity and and you reacted what was best for where you were at that point in your football career and what it meant to you going forward. But I think once he got into it, like anything you don't pursue, if you don't, you know, what he's done on the football field his entire life, he's always been passionate uh about what he does um his commitment and work ethic you don't question whatsoever he still had the commitment and work ethic to you know his time in the booth but i'm not sure the passion was there that that was not something he'd always wanted to do that that is not how uh, he defined himself or envisioned himself as a broadcaster and so I, i think when you took that element away from it now suddenly um, the, the the other thing I find interesting too is Jason Witten's a grinder. He prides himself on watching the tape, on on the detail, on the reason I can do this on September seventeenth in uh, in AT and T Stadium is because I did it ten times on March twentieth uh, at the Star, and I did it 
eight times on March 21st at the Star. Uh, he, he's a grinder. That's his identity. And in broadcasting, I'm not sure it's about grinding. <laughs> you know, right. uh, you, you have to be loose enough to allow your personality to come out, to interact with, with who's there with you. Um, it, it, it's a different approach. And I think his approach to football is so different to the approach that can make a good broadcaster that it just never was a, a, a good fit. I sort of wondered if he had given it another year, if he would have gotten better at it. It certainly could have had the off season to have gotten better. I think there was some something. He wasn't as awful, I think, as his reputation. No, he wasn't, but it just takes a few moments, and that's what people are going to, good or bad, and that's what people are going to latch on, and that's what's going to define you. Do you think that he uh, wore the helmet during the broadcast simply to signal that he would one day be returning to football? <laughs> not sure about that. I think he's just comfortable in the helmet. <laughs> that was a helmet he was wearing, right? Sure, if you say so, Robert. It was a helmet made of hair. I know. Go on. Oh, you, can, just, you can do your hair jokes now. Go ahead. Look, if anybody can make a hair joke, <laughs> I can make a hair joke. I am comfortable with my look, my friend. And you have been for quite a while. Since Dirk Nowitzki was a rookie, <laughs> as a matter of fact. You've gone from the metrosexual days now to this. How would you describe your look? To the metrosexual. What's that? <laughs> that wit. Well, you know, letting my personality letting my personality shine through in a way that Jason Witten was just not capable of doing. Or Jason Garrett, apparently. Who is that? I, I don't know. Is he still here? Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we'll ever have him back on intentional grounding? Sure. Is he, can we curse on this? Um I'm getting a th I'm getting a thumbs up, but I don't really believe it. I think he just wants us to get in trouble. So, so let's you, say no. We do you think that Jason this. Garrett was unhappy with the way we because he was a regular on intentional grounding for the first yes, few years, mm -hmm. but we haven't had him on for the last couple of years. That would be correct. Three. Do you think he's unhappy with the fact that I'm not talking about me? I don't. He doesn't give a uh, give a. Give we a don't hoot. have him on. He doesn't give a hoot about me, <laughs> but. Uh, Certainly, he knows that you know he he reads you, he listens to you. I assume that Jason has some some understanding of the fact that um, there are a lot of people in the sports media who think he probably should have moved on by now. Do you think he actually holds that against you folks in the media? I don't think he holds it. I don't think he holds those individual opinions uh, against the individuals. Per se, I don't think there are repercussions. Uh, I think um, he'll still treat you professionally and with respect. But you know, he, he because is, he is, because he is nothing if not a polite human being. He is, but but he's also um, I, I sense a little more distance there than there that's, was before. That, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, does he look at you guys and go, "I know how you really think about me. I know what you're really saying about me." So I'll answer your questions, but we're not going to be as collegial as we might have been five or six years ago. You know, uh, the, the only time during his tenure as head coach when he cracked and, and, and acknowledged that was um, it was when there was uh, an issue with Des Bryan and he didn't, you know, he didn't show up and then they find him behind the scenes and then um, – that's Jason, when Jason was taking care of Dallas Monkey, right? I believe it was, Dallas yes. Bryant, Dallas the monkey, Bryant, yeah. the monkey, yeah. And so, uh, um, and, and and they had lost 
early and didn't look good, and uh, he was t- he was taking some heat then. And then, um, you know, he he was captured um, by the by the in house broadcast team. I believe it was the San Francisco game several years ago, and and they won. And uh, he very um, vocally and profanely basically said. Take that media, you know. Um, and again, what uh, we talked to him after that, and he said, "Well, look, even though some of you guys say I'm not, I'm human, and uh, of course there are some things I hear and read uh, and see that bother me." Uh, but I understand it's part of the job, but, but and I do my best not to let it impact uh, the relationship or my professional responsibilities. But there are times, yeah, it, it bothers me. And, and he never would say that was one of those times, right. although it was very clear. And so even that was interesting. So he's admitting, in theory, that, yes, it bothers him, but would not point to any one thing or particular person to say that's what he was bothered by. Oh. But, but, but I will say there's been an accumulative effect and collection over time that probably uh, is like anything, you know, uh, uh, a small pebble or, right. or piece of sand in your shoe may not bother you for, you know, an hour, a day, or two days, but if it's there all week at the end of the week yeah (laughs) after eight long years so how do you expect this season to go given the fact that he is on a very short leash with with you guys with his temperament uh, he has been here before if i'm sure yeah after uh going into 2014 season after they had uh three consecutive eight and eight years so how is that like uh during that last year on that that contract with him uh, during that period he was probably better then than he had been at any time because yeah. he uh, because that's that's the other part of that you want to show uh, that it doesn't bother you so you go out of your way to show that you're unaffected right. and uh, not feeling the pressure and you can handle it that and it's all going to be good man we're going to come it's all going to be this. good oh yeah 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 and uh, but again you know what we're talking about here is clearly Jerry Jones acknowledges the same thing he he knew that he could not have his fan base feel good about this team sure. by extending Jason Garrett after the way they lost. And look, the final score was closer than what that game was. Mm-hmm. L.A. dominated that game, and Dallas made it close late. But um, you never got the sense that Dallas was going to win that game. The Rams were in control from start to finish. And so – uh, there was not going to be, you know, we've talked about this before on, on intentional grounding. I, I'm convinced every Wednesday night from seven to eight during football season, <laughs> during football season and selected shows. This, in fact, we'll have something, we'll maybe have a special show later this month. We are, are we? Maybe no, it's April. Well, it's May. We'll do, we'll do the, uh. Oh yeah, we're gonna have Kaboo. a. We're but we'll have, have a, a. We'll have a. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have another one. Maybe a, a mayoral bent to it. Oh, that'd maybe. be fun. Yeah, we'll have to put yeah, that we'll together. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I digress. But um, no, my fault. J- I blame myself. <laughs> Please do. But no, Jones knew that, um, especially the way this this off season has unfolded, where you've seen they haven't 
uh, pursued any or signed any big names in free agency. That's what I want to ask. Where, where, where they're focusing on their own. Right. Um, that, look, how can you still sell that hope and excitement by bringing back a head coach that hasn't connected with the fan base and letting everyone know that progress is being made? The only way to do it is to leave him hanging out there right. and to leave that that sense of, okay, well, this will be the year Jerry does something if this team doesn't respond. And, and you know what? Look, it's been eight years. that there, there are a lot of good things about where the Cowboys are with their roster, uh, their culture, how this team is built, but it's clearly hit a ceiling, and, and it's got to break through that ceiling, or you have to look at – okay, well, now we're to this point. What's going to get us to the next step? So to that end, how do you reconcile the fact that they are not going to make a big splash in free agency, even going after the guy they they wanted and the guy who wanted them, focusing instead internally on the guys that they had who got them as far as they did, but not far enough? Yeah, to to me, this is a uh, – this is – you can say this every year. This is a pivotal year for the franchise. But to me, this year is a is a financial crossroads mm-hmm. because you are going to have to lay out uh, an exorbitant amount of money for a nucleus that has not gotten pa- you past the second round right. of the playoffs. I mean, a lot of times when teams make these decisions – they have gone to a Super Bowl, maybe not won a Super Bowl, but have gone to a Super Bowl. I mean, Seattle, or at, least an, or at least a championship game. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Seattle says, you know what? We have something here in Russell Wilson. We're going to have to pay him. So let's pay these other guys to keep this nucleus right. intact, and, and then we'll deal with the fallout later. But here, you're paying but, but, to keep this nucleus intact, knowing that this nucleus may not be enough. May not be it. Yeah. And, and, and which to is me, very confusing to me. It is. And but but the other side is okay if we let these guys go what are the alternatives and are we going to be able to spin this into something that's better than where we are now and how many seasons do we have to take a step back to go again to an uncertain future and what's to assure us that we don't get you know we're not back at the same spot just with different players it just feels very the devil you know at this point it is it is but but again they've made the determ you know that that's another part of it they've made the determination that now we have put ourselves in position with how we approach free agency, which is basically don't spend big money in free agency, and they have not over the last six years. Um, But what you do in free agency is you shore up all positions to a point where, and none of them are long-term answers. You know, they have signed, to this stage now, they have signed 22 players uh, now 23 with what they did yesterday. 23 players in free agency since 2014. And two of those have been on the roster before this year. Joe Looney and Cameron Fleming right. are the only two out of those 23. Now, two of them were just signed. They'll, they'll be on the but, – but, you know, you look at it, only two of them have been on the roster for three years or more. And that was Joe Looney and Darren McFadden. So out of the the 21 players they signed during this period uh, in the previous six seasons leading up to who they've signed so far, only two of those 21 ever were on the roster beyond two seasons. So clearly they use it as a temporary fix, as insurance. And what it allows them to do is it allows them to go into the draft and say, you know what, Um, we don't have to take 
a backup offensive tackle here. We don't have to take a third wide receiver. We don't have to take uh, a backup linebacker. Say we can just take uh, who we consider to be the best player. So now we're not unduly influenced by need, and we actually look at these players through. And I think you know, as frustrated as fans are with what they've been doing in free agency. I think even those fans would have to concede they feel pretty good about what this team has done with the draft in that corresponding period. So the the two are interconnected in a way where I think fans get very frustrated at this stage. But uh, based on what we've seen this team get out of the draft, uh, they feel good about it. Now, all of that being said, they need to sign Demarcus Lawrence sooner rather than later. That was my very next question. And Did you can't allow lasts? this to linger. I you can't say you have this philosophy and then don't re-sign Demarcus I Lawrence. I assume he's not going to play under a franchise tag. No, he will not. And he made that very clear. You know, as 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 willing and uh, as he willingly accepted it last year, he made it known that he would not willingly accept it this year, and it would be a much different paradigm why going did they forward. even hit him with it knowing that he wouldn't play under it and that they'd have to get this thing settled i mean why not? well well if you don't hit him with it then he's a free agent right and you can sign just, anywhere but why not just go ahead and take care of it knowing you were going to have to take care of it certainly it sends a message to him and the rest of the team that you are serious about keeping this team together in some way sure uh, i i think the but i think there's a range there i think both sides are serious about remaining together but his side of serious may be closer to a camille Khalil Mack contract where you're talking about up to 90 million in guaranteed right. dollars and their idea of being serious may be closer to 75 million guaranteed. Now you can say, well what's 15 million? Well, it means a lot when you're structuring your team going forward. And I never so, say by the way what's 15 what is million. 15? I mean, I ask what it is because I, you I don't know what because, it is. Yeah, I've never conceptually, seen it. you right. have an idea of what it is right. in theory, how it works. Well, it's $15 million amongst friends. <laughs> exactly. But I think that's the thing. I think both sides are serious, but I think, there's a, I think there's a serious gap here in, okay, you know, you don't just say for the sake of keeping everyone happy and, and, and this is going to work to pay someone three additional million a year on an average – that is going to impact the team you're able to put going forward. So let's just say, look, let's resolve this. Uh, let's give him that $3 million a year average. Okay, well, now do you shave that off of what you give Dak Prescott, what you give Ezekiel Elliott, what you give Byron Jones uh, right after that? You know, this team traditionally has not paid big money for linebackers. Now suddenly you're going to have Jalen Smith – and Leighton Vander Esch come up in the near future. So now you're going to have to pay for a position that in their pay scale they haven't really accounted for with big money. Right. So now it's not only one, it's two. So now are you going to pay the money to keep both linebackers? Uh, and again, they're at an interesting spot now too because in recent years how this team was constructed was all of the money – or most of the big money went to the offensive side of the ball, and they were able to make do on defense. Mm -hmm. You would spot a guy maybe one or two. Now suddenly they have a defense. Okay, it's not just Demarcus Lawrence. Byron Jones had an outstanding year last year at a corner. Right. Um, like we said, you have now these two linebackers that, that appear to be special. Now suddenly you have four blue-chip guys on the defensive side of the ball. 
uh, where in a lot of years you didn't even have one that's after, why you don't after go Demarcus Ware left. You didn't have you didn't really have any. So that's why you don't go out and upgrade. Let's say at safety, knowing you necessarily. Although they, I mean, they gave it a lot of thought because they consider him a special player. But but all of this being said, you know the the last time they applied the franchise tag. Um, well, the last time was to you know Demarcus Lawrence, but but before that it was it was Des Bryant, right. and they got him signed on the eve of going to training camp. But uh, look, Demarcus Lawrence is more of a leader than Des Bryant was. Mm-hmm. Um, he played last year uh, again. His performance is outstanding. You, you talk to the guys in that locker room. You're sending a very disturbing message to everyone on defense if you do not re-sign him because you're telling them, um, you know what, this side of the ball just isn't as important despite what we say. Without and I, a David Irving, without a Randy yeah. Gregory. And, and I don't know that this offense this offense isn't good enough to carry. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the most balanced team they've had in quite a while. But the other side of that is now you have to balance the pay scale and you have to pay both sides of the ball. And a lot of money that they weren't spending on defense to pay their offensive players, now they have to figure out how to disperse right. to the defensive side of the ball. And, and, and so I think that's why, um, you know, I, I don't think I don't think Stephen Jones and the Cowboys are being hardline here or unreasonable. I think they're just looking at the big picture and saying, look, we're our payroll is shifting here on how we have to get this done, and, and how can we do this responsibly and still get all of this done? But yeah. They cannot allow Demarcus Lawrence to go into July 15th like they did Des Bryant. There would be ramifications, and uh, they've got to get this taken care of sooner rather than later because the longer this goes on, the more you're going to have questions of, well, Demarcus Lawrence did everything right. He played through injuries. He's a good teammate. Uh, He's showing up out there. Um, You say this is everything you want. Why are you not now acknowledging that with a contract? We can't believe what you say. So it's going to become an issue if it's not solved soon. Well, and I, I'm, I'm disappointed that that's happening. I'm disappointed that the fact that Cole Beasley was let go to, to Buffalo, I, I, as those slot receivers grow on trees, I don't quite understand that decision, to be v- honest with very you. Very quickly on Cole Beasley, we're going to have to get out of here. But uh, I also find that interesting in light of the fact that you say your number one priority this offseason is to upgrade your passing game. Right. And what have you done? You've let one of the top slot receivers go. You've taken well, a you decided, blanket. And you decided to re-sign a fullback to a three-year yeah, deal. I don't get it. Who, get, who averages eight snaps a game. I just don't get it. So that, that is something to bear watching going forward. Unfortunately, we must go forward, which means a conclusion to today's Ballsy podcast. A very special <laughs> An emotional ballsy you know, podcast. I'll say this, but the 38 minutes we've been talking is about the about a time we actually do a full intentional grounding, given the fact that the it uh, is true the amount of advertising, no commercial breaks to, here, and no killer, which has been a real pleasure. <laughs> for, I know Another for you, plus. yeah, big for me. Well, David, this is an honor that you've asked me to do this. No, no, please, the honor is all mine. Uh, I'm just glad that no one was here to uh, steal your thunder. No, you you were here. You, oh, you're okay. the thunder. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, certainly, buddy. Again. Do I get to do this again? I really enjoyed this. Well, I know you have control issues, so why don't you take us out? I don't know how to do that on ball. Which, no, no, no. It's all no, you. No, no, no. You. No, because clearly you've been uncomfortable this whole time. No, no. I'm. Mean, you've been pouting wait, wait, because you're not no, no, directing no. traffic. I, I no, been, please. Go I ahead. I have been doing exactly what I do during intentional grounding. <laughs> ask you one question or make one vague observation. Ask you a question and let you talk for 10 minutes. 
That, my friend, is the definition of an intentional grounding. Well, this is our very vague rendition of Ballsy Podcast in the Cowboy segment today. Thank everyone for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.